hey, it's Kurt. Tis the season of giving, and I want to give you potentially $19,141.64 in Shopify apps and services. Yes, I have made a lot of friends in the Shopify Partners community, and I decided to give back this year by going to those friends and saying, hey, let's do a huge giveaway. Let's give away a bunch of stuff. So if you go to ecomgiveaway.com right now, you have a chance to enter and win a free year's access to the Brand Growth Experts community where you will get one-on-one personalized coaching on how to grow your business, uh, two years free of Ventoff SEO Manager, a year free of bold upsell, bold subscriptions, bold loyalties, and bold cashier. That right there is almost a $5,000 value. A free year of Privy Growth Plan, my favorite pop-up builder. A lifetime free FOMO account. Two years of Enquire's Pro Plan. 12 free months of Recaptures Pro Plan for abandoned carts, $1,200 value. A discounted Smile paid plan, that's 100 bucks saved right there. A lifetime premium account product customizer, a $2,400 value, depending on how long you use it. A one-year free subscription to Unfurl's MetaTags app, a $200 value. And a website teardown with yours truly, a $499 value to put you in the best possible position to use all these new apps and services. So what's the catch? Just one, your email address. That's all. Enter your email address at ecomgiveaway.com to be entered to win in this unauthorized, unendorsed, and unaffiliated with Shopify, Shopify giveaway. And in it, you have a special opportunity. If you invite up to 10 Shopify merchant friends, you can get up to 10 extra entries for a total of 11 entries, meaning you have a non-zero chance of actually winning something and having your best year ever in 2019. So go. Head to ecomgiveaway.com, enter your email address for a chance to win $19,141.64 worth of great stuff. Black Friday and Cyber Monday are coming up fast, and if you don't have a good loyalty program, also known as a reason to come back after the holidays, you're leaving money on the table. If you don't have a loyalty program already, don't panic. Our buddies at Bold have a great loyalty app, and setting it up is dead simple. There's no installation, no liquid update needed, it just works. You set the amount of points you want customers to earn when they shop, what the redemption value is, and you're done. If you want to get fancy, you can offer points when customers share your store on social media, on their birthdays, or even when they create an account in your store. And it gets better. Loyalty points integrates with Bold Cashier, so customers can now use points at checkout, just like a real currency. They could pay for an order with half points, half a credit card. They can use points towards shipping if you want to. And on top of that, it doesn't use discount codes so customers could still use those as normal if they have one. All right, now here's my Black Friday tip. Bold Loyalties app has a sweet feature that lets you offer bonus points during certain periods. So if you can only offer a certain discount on Black Friday, or maybe your products have fixed prices and you aren't allowed to offer discounts, or you don't want to, you could offer double the loyalty points. So this year, make sure you have a loyalty program in place, make sure you have some kind of promotion, and then check out Bold's loyalty app to supercharge it. It comes with a free trial and your first 500 customers completely free. Visit boldcommerce.com or search Bold Loyalty in the Shopify app store to get your free trial started today. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily. 
and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from beautiful, scenic Skokie, Illinois. Slightly, a little little edgy today, a little nervous. I'm, I'm preparing to go teach a workshop to my fellow Shopify partners in New York. I'm sure it will be a ton of fun. But even now, I get, I get nerves before those things. And one of the things I open with on those, when I, whenever I do a talk, especially a workshop like that, is I tell my own story. And then... What makes teaching the workshop really easy in reality, even though I'm nervous about it because it's public speaking, who doesn't get nervous about that, right, is telling my own story and speaking to exactly the things I do in my own business, speaking to my real life. That is the easiest kind of copywriting I have found. The easiest kind of content marketing and creation is speak to your own life, tell your story, your truth, whatever that may be. And it becomes genuine, authentic, and that's what people connect with. So what's a common misconception about building a brand, about building a Shopify store, is, well, we got to get the design perfect, and we need the right color buttons. And as far as our branding goes, we just have to have the right color, we have to have the right perfect logo, and the right typography. Those things are good, they're not unimportant, but they'll never be as important as your message, your copywriting, your story. You have to have that those things as the cornerstone of your branding, knowing your message. And that's what people connect with. People, you've heard me say it before so many times. People buy from people, not brands. But all right, so you know that's my advice. You know it has worked for me and others. But how do you get there? What happens in between? Well, I have uh, a, a good friend you've heard from before, Andy Bedell, uh, brilliant marketer at Keysmart, who is does all kinds of other things in addition to KeySmart, um, but I suppose that's what he's best known for. He spoke at our Shopify meetup and just absolutely stole the show with his advice on Facebook marketing. And while he was there, he said, man, you, you got to have my man, Michael Jaman, Jammin, on the show. Sorry, Michael Jammin, on the show. I'm like, oh, man, I all right, deal. But I, I, I just accept it. But why? Why do I got to have him on the show? And he said, well, Kurt, he's a professional screenwriter or a sitcom writer since 1996, and he's worked on a lot of shows that you love. Just Shoot Me, King of the Hill, Beavis at Butthead, Out of Practice, Wilfred, Rules of Engagement, Brickleberry, Tacoma FD, and was a co-showrunner and executive producer on Marin, Glenn Martin DDS, Renton Lake's Buddy System. But more important to our show is in his spare time, he ran marketing, runs marketing for Twirly Girl, it's a line of girls' clothing, started by his wife, Cynthia, and he went with what he knew in growing that store. 
it wasn't AdWords. It was his sitcom writing and producing skills. He brought those to their marketing videos, helping grow Twirly Girl into a multi-million dollar brand. Michael, thank you for joining us. Ah, thank you for having me, Kurt. My pleasure. pleasure. So that's quite the transition you had. You went from doing, uh, the being deep in Hollywood. You know, and before the show, you're telling me about your experience with Mike Judge, which I really geeked out about. Big Beavis mm-hmm. and Butthead fan here. Love King of the Hill. And now you're doing this. You're building a multi-million dollar e-commerce brand. You're doing some e-commerce consulting, which we'll hear about as well. How did that happen? How did you get into e-commerce? Yeah. So, you know, like, it's funny because in your intro, I wanted to say all those things that you recommend doing, I was not doing in the beginning. Uh, so I was doing everything wrong. And I agree with everything you're saying <laughs> you said in your intro. Um, so I started, you know, I've been, I'm still a TV writer. I've been doing it for about 22 years. And my wife about 11 years ago started this girl's line of clothing called Twirly Girl that was, you know, we sell online mainly. And um, I wanted to help her obviously grow the brand, but I had absolutely no idea how to do it. And so basically I did everything wrong until I started doing things right. Um, in the beginning, you know, I was very insecure about how small the company was. It was basically her, right? It was her in a tiny office. In the beginning, she was sewing them on her dining room table, these dresses, right? And <clears throat> I just felt like, well, who's going to buy from us if they know that she's selling, sewing dresses on our you know, dining room table? I just felt insecure. And so I was trying to make our brand seem bigger and less, less personal, um, you know, like we're just giant company so that you could trust us. It's and a, I did that for about, that's a I'm common sorry? thing. But sorry to interrupt. But that's a no, common, please. really common thing people do. I did it 10 years ago when I started out and you do stuff like call our team and our would really, it's just you and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right. But I mean, we, when we have this at, need cause we're insecure. Yeah. But when you look at the bigger brands, like, like let's say progressive insurance, like the big brands are trying to make themselves look small. So they have flow, right? They, they put a face on it, like flow. Like when you call, when you wreck your car, you're going to call them flow's going to answer, you know? <laughs> but that's not the case. So the, if the big brands are trying to look small, why are the small brands trying to look big? Just do what they're doing. They obviously know what they're doing. So yeah, it's about putting your face out there and, and yeah, not saying we, saying me, and then telling your story. Because um, people, like you're, you're exactly, you're right. People trust people. They root for people. They don't root for brands. They, they form an emotional connection with other people. So you started, you were do, you were helping your wife with this. You had this insecurity um, that we all start out with, so, uh, imposter syndrome, I suppose. And right. you're trying to make it, the brand, look bigger. And what what changed? Why, what made you go, well, man, we're doing this wrong. We should just own who we are, what we are in our story. Uh, well, first, the sales were so stagnant. It was like, this is not working. And then, and I was so insecure. Like, I, I remember I bought... Um, I bought like business for small business for dummies and I'm reading this. I'm like, what's the point of reading, learning how to read a financial report if I'm not making any money? Like, why am I wasting my time with this? So I basically just started doing the only thing that I know how to do, which is write, and, you know, write whatever. And I was writing the about us pages and the email blasts. And I was just telling the story of a brand and how we started and the obstacles that we face along the way and all that stuff. And, and I started getting fan mail from people. I was like, you know, we would send that an email and then people would write back. Like, how often does that happen? You, you know, most email goes to the chunk folder or, you know, it gets thrown away. They don't usually write you back. So when people started writing back, I was like, wait, we're on to something here. Yeah, I would say uh, looking at those, the reply rates, which some email software will track, is a really good indication. It is amazing how few people reply to emails. Like, I could send out an email to 3,000 people, and if 10 people replied to it, I'm like, ooh, that one resonated, right? Because yeah. we get so much email and most of it is just like this branded garbage that we know, like, oh, don't have to do anything with this, don't have to gauge it, delete it. 
a phrase I learned from from uh, Mr. Bedell recently was thumbstopper. You want telling a story, making it personal, having interesting emails are thumbstoppers. You're going to go through your inbox, inbox and start reading it. And if you can get someone to reply to it, oh my gosh, now you know they're really engaged. And bonus, if they reply to, this is a tip we had in our Facebook group from Tyler Sullivan for BombTech, was if someone replies to an email, ah, now you have radically increased your deliverability rate direct into their inbox. Uh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, you, you stumbled on a email marketing uh, masterpiece tactic there. But does that help your open rate with other people's emails or just that person's emails? Uh, it, to that person. It will... In like within a network, it will help like within Gmail, it will Gmail knows, oh, okay, this this sender and this email is not total shit. It will. (laughs) It's more likely that it won't end up in spam or in the promotions folder. Right. Okay. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) That's why you're right. I stumbled onto something. Um, Yeah. So I guess the question I'm asked a lot, if you want, I mean, is basically how to tell a story. Yeah, um, that's that's the hard part. How do you? Yeah, you're right. I should have asked a follow up question there okay. after you started interviewing me, um, <laughs> because I had interrupted you. My apologies. No. The, okay. So how, that's it's easy for us to go. Yeah, you just like just tell your story. Stop doing the stop doing the dumb thing you're doing. Start doing the smart thing. Tell your story. Okay, go. Wh- what? How do I go? How do I tell my story? That's easier said than done. Yeah, and you'll see it. You know, I've read I read a bunch of marketing books, and they all tell you the same thing. Like you know, Seth Godin or whatever. They all say, they all say the same thing. Tell your story. People form an emotional connection for, with your brand. They not only purchase, they'll root for you. They'll share with their friends, and then you'll grow your business. And so, like, yeah, great. That's that's what I want to do. But no one tells you how to tell a story. They just assume that you know, or maybe they don't. Maybe they don't know themselves. But as a TV writer, you know, I tell stories every week. You know, that's my job. And my job is also to figure out when a story isn't working at a rehearsal. Um, my job is to figure out why it's not working and I have 24 hours to fix it until the next, you know, before the next rehearsal. So you get very good at identifying the flaws in a story and figuring out how to fix it. That's, that, that's my training. So I guess <clears throat> before you can write a story, I would ask you, Kurt, you're going to be on the hot seat. Before you can write a story, you have to know what a story is. So I'm going to ask you to define what a story is in one sentence. Oh, jeez. It's uh, hard. Yeah. That actually is, like I, I could rattle uh, my initial, I don't know why, but my immediate reaction was, it has a beginning, middle, and an end. I, that's Kurt, what came Kurt, to mind. That's the answer I was looking for. You know oh, what really? else has a beginning, middle, and end? What? A piece of shit. That's what you just wrote. <laughs> Sorry, brother. That's how it goes. <laughs> All right. You, that's the, that's Sorry possibly the hardest I've laughed on this show in a long time. That was fantastic. <laughs> That'll be the only time I curse. Sorry. But, but, <laughs> But that's a fair and, and by the way, your response is what I always hear. That's how I, you know, have this patented, you know, joke response. I hear it all the time. It's because no one knows what a story is. So I'm gonna tell you what a story is in one sentence. And if you only write down one thing, not you, but your your you know, millions of fans and followers, uh, this is the one thing to write down. A story recounts the struggle of a hero fighting an obstacle to achieve a goal. So one more time, it's a hero, obstacle, goal. That's it. If you don't have those three elements, you do not have a story. And the sooner that your audience or your reader or whoever you're marketing to, the sooner that person can consciously or subconsciously identify those three elements, hero, obstacle, and goal, the better. Because until then, you're boring the crap out of them. So how do I get that? So you're talking about um, like hero's journey, like the basic archetype of all stories. How do I apply that to myself? 
And that's, by the way, and that's complicated. You know, you're talking about Joseph Campbell, and that's all, he's all, that's all accurate, but it's so much theory, I don't think it's helpful. It's so, I mean, I, that he, there's a classic circle, and it's like reverse engineering. It's like, I, I can't, I don't use that in my day-to-day. It's just too complicated. You have a gatekeeper, and a mission turned down, and then a growing, inciting. It's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Just make it easy. Hero, obstacle, goal. So let me just give you an example, and then you'll figure out, we'll figure out how to work, you know, how to apply that to your story, basically. So um, let's take a story that everyone knows, Jack and the Beanstalk, right? Uh, see if you can identify who's the, who's the hero. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Jack. Right. The, the hero's got his name in the title. So if you had a website, you got your name in the title, you're the hero, right? Or, uh, so, so it's Jack. And, and what does he want? I may have to help you with this because you're not four years old anymore. Do you uh, remember what he wanted? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, food on the table? I don't remember. <laughs> Close, you're close. Well, in this story, Jack wanted the goose that laid the golden egg, right? Okay. He, he climbed up into the beanstalk, and there was the giant. He sees the goose that laid the golden egg, and then and what was the obstacle keeping him from the, getting that golden egg? The giant. Good. I already I tipped that for you. The giant so, minded his own business, just trying to protect his personal property. But whatever. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. But th- so there's more to that, right? So to make a story compelling, you want to make your obstacle as big as possible, and you want to make your goal. Uh, as rootable as possible. So the obstacles is not an angry dwarf. It's not a you know a lazy a bird, hummingbird. It's a giant, and he's a mean giant, and he wants to crump, you know chew your bones up. And the goal is not the goose that laid the silver eggs or the bronze eggs. It's the golden eggs, right? That you want you to make your goal as big as possible and your obstacle as big as possible, and you want and that. And that's how you basically tell a story. You get those three things out. So when you're telling your story about I don't know, let's say how you how you started your your podcast. You're the hero, right? Your goal was to, I guess, build a, well, you'll tell me, I'm going to answer for you, but maybe you'll tell me if I'm wrong. Your goal was to create an audience that, uh, you know, and, and I guess a, a business for yourself where you're helping educate uh, e-commerce store owners on Shopify, correct? Yes. Yeah, it was education, uh, audience, authority would be the three, the three goals. Right. Okay. So that was your goal. And what was the obstacle preventing you from getting to that goal? Uh, we had... Uh, really, we're starting from zero. Like the first month had uh, 200 downloads. Yeah, you had, and, and that was probably only one of the obstacles. Uh, no one was listening, right? Yeah, we also and didn't other, particularly know what we were doing. And didn't know what you're doing. <laughs> didn't know how to find guests. Didn't, I mean, you had a ton of obstacles. Didn't know how to get your word out there. And yet, and none of it was easy, right? But but your goal was was to create this 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 brand for yourself. Now, why did you want to do that? Like, what what what's the deeper reason for wanting to, you know, did you have well, a job before this or something? No, it was the 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 core goal was lead generation. The show generates leads for the consulting business, which puts food on the table. Ah, puts food on the table. Okay, right. So that's an admirable thing. Well, why not get a job, an ordinary desk job somewhere, if that was your goal? Because I, I loathe the lack of freedom there, and I, uh, I view having a single employer as a single source of income as the riskiest thing someone could possibly do. Okay, so that's interesting. So why, no, why? Is there something from your past that that, that taught you that? Absolutely. My what? father uh, was laid off when I was a kid and uh, moved into like running his own consulting practice and then um, and day trading and uh, kept hammering that home, this idea that, hey, if you're your own boss, you could never get fired. Okay, now you got something emotional going on here. So as a kid, you saw your father got laid off, 
and he struggled to put food on the table. And that obviously left an impression on you. Yes. Like a nerd, you know, and, and so, yeah, so you vowed then as a child, or at least it was in your head somewhere, that that was not going to, you were not going to suffer that fate. And you learned from your father to diversify and become your own boss. So your goal wasn't simply to just to make money. Your goal was to, you, you wanted something bigger and more important than that. You wanted security, right? You security, wanted security yes. and freedom. Okay, so that's a very rootable goal. So now that's not what you, so what you really want is that. But you're, what you really want is security and freedom and to be your own boss. That's a very rootable goal. Your, so your goal isn't just to get rich. Who cares about that? No one cares about Kurt if he wants to get rich. <laughs> but everyone's going to care about Kurt if he wants to, you know, have that fine freedom and independence and security and, and be, to be able to be a good provider. That's a very rootable goal. So now your ops. And so, so now we know what your, your real goal is. So when you start telling your story, you start from the beginning. You talk about how. You know, growing up, you saw your father get laid off. You talk a little bit about the stress that created in the whole family and how you decided at that point you were not going to. And if this is true, how you decided at that point, you weren't going to let that suffer that same fate. So you came up with this idea. I don't, I don't know how you came up with this idea for your podcast. Maybe talk about that a little bit. But the uh, yeah, by the time I was a teenager, I knew like people would ask, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the answer was entrepreneur, business owner. I didn't know what the business was. I just knew that that's what I would do. And if I failed, 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 totally fine. By the time we got to the podcast, uh, this is, I had like 500 people on an email list. And I sent out, at the advice of a mentor, I sent out an email. And I said, hey, if you could reply, just tell me one thing. What's my superpower? What am I better at than anyone else? And they, you know, at that time, I had been starting to get into email marketing and some teaching. And the overwhelming answer was, you're really good, was essentially you're good at teaching. It was you're good at breaking down, taking complex concepts and making them seem simple and accessible. So I knew, and I didn't, I wasn't in love with writing, but I was starting to develop a a brand voice. And that's where I knew, okay, I could use a podcast sounds cool. And I started listening to podcasts. I said, we could do that. Plus, I'm, I'm a geek. I wanted to buy some cool audio gear and a podcast is a good excuse for that. But now that's also really, have you ever told that, that part of your story about sending out an email to people asking what my superpower is? I suppose I haven't. No. That's amazing. But that's like the super interesting, dude. Like that's amazing little thing. So, okay. So now you get to be an adult. You're still at sea. You know, you want to be an entrepreneur. You don't know how to get there. And you're not even sure what you want to do with your, you don't even sure what exactly you're good at. So you decided to ask, you send people a letter. What am I good at? What's my superpower? And people wrote back, breaking things down and educating you. And that gave you, that was a spark that gave you the idea for this. That's now we're all, we're still tracking your story from the beginning. Here are obstacle goal. Now, you know, now you're getting past that first obstacle. You, you know, you asked for some help. Now you're on your way. I mean, you got an amazing story. That's just, hmm. all those little details are fascinating. And people love that. The more details that you can throw into your story, the less generic. All right. And now you the, all those specifics are things that could they only happen to you. They're not generic. And the details are what, you know, are, are kind of what people what excite people. So now you've started telling your story. And, uh, yeah, this is the part that engages people. This is the authentic, the, the authentic part you're talking about because you're not telling a generic brand story, blah, 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 I started a podcast. You're telling your story and it's authentic because it's only you. Now people are learning about Kurt and they're rooting for you because you've got a rootable goal. This is all, I mean, this is all perfect. This would go in your About Us page. Uh, it, it could go, you know, on your, on your, in an email marketing campaign. The first time people sign up for your email, this is what they should get. This is who I am and what I, what I do and why I do it. I have, it sounds like I have work to do. You've given me homework. Um, yeah, you got homework. <laughs> so the. But you have a great story. Share it. Thank you. Uh, I, I will. I thought I had been sharing my story. I suppose I, I had not been sharing the real root story. Um, 
Okay. Well, and to your point, one of the this was a, a pivotal thing prior to that, prior to really to the podcast, to doing that email list, I had been operating as EtherCycle, as the man behind the curtain. And it did thing it worked okay. It was not great at all. Um it was survivable. Once I put my face out there, once I became the brand, the it really, you know, got out front in front of it and it's Kurt from EtherCycle, that became that was a inflection point. That was where things really started to take off and getting on consulting calls became so much easier because people, we'd get on the call, people would listen to the podcast, they knew who I was, they'd say, I feel like I already know you. Yeah. Which is true, they did because I had put that stuff out there. Yeah, and you're the face of the company. Let's see, the, let's see who you are, right? Let's learn more. So when you tell your story, basically, you really want to talk about your weaknesses, not your strengths, right? So that moment we were just talking about how you didn't know what you wanted to do or what you were good at, and you asked others, that's a moment of weakness. That's a moment of vulnerability that you're sharing. That's what sharing is, you know, being vulnerable to your audience. So anytime you can share a detail like that is terrific. If you talk about, you know, if you start bragging about yourself, people just turn off. Like, who cares, you know? But when you're vulnerable, people are, are automatically engaged. They can relate to it, and so few people are willing to do it. I mean, just right. putting your face out there makes you vulnerable and already i think that puts you above a lot of a majority but then sharing vulnerability along with that and sharing the details that you pointed out oh my gosh you're right that does make a significantly more compelling and interesting story yeah. um all right are there other elements i should be looking for asking about you seem to be on a roll <laughs> and <laughs> i have i have like 10 follow-up questions here but i think you have you have an agenda you know where no, you're going no, with this no please shoot away i was just i got caught honestly i got caught up in your story i wasn't even planning on asking you about your story but i got caught up and i was like this is good this is a go with it so <laughs> okay cool i'm glad we had a good a, a good working example there um all right so one of the things i struggled with at first was finding my brand voice and if you haven't tried like sitting down and writing for the first time for a business this is what I think happens to everybody. They and we've talked about this with copywriters on the show a bit. Is they just default to? For me, it was like the unbelievably stilted business academia prose that I learned uh, getting an MBA uh, in, like you just how white papers are written, and mm. versus like writing casually as myself. You know, you can hear that code switching happen when you talk to someone, um, depending okay. on what setting they're in. And the way I, I was able to – and I knew it sounded bad, but I didn't know what to do about it. And I think a lot of people start writing like it's a high school paper, like in conclusion, you know, that kind of thing. Um, right. I used the dictation feature built into my microphone and dictated what I wanted to say and then had a, uh, a friend from back in high school who had become a copy editor uh, edit it down. And that's how I figured out how to write a coherent story in my own voice. So how how do you find your uh, your brand's unique voice? Yeah, I mean that's a really that's a great question and so hard because I think as a writer, you know, that comes with maturity. Finding you just finding your own voice. Uh, so finding creating a voice for your brand is even more difficult. But if you were, um, I think one one exercise that I, I often talk about is okay. So cast if you could have any spokesperson, any like Hollywood actor, be the voice of your brand. Who would it be? And then just imagine that person, watch their movies, his or her movies, and then just start copying their voice. Now you're not gonna, you're not, they're not, there's no way in hell 
you know, Brad Pitt is going to be the voice of your brand. He's not, you know, you can't use his likeness. You can't use his face. You can't use any of that. But you could use the, the, the mannerisms, the way he talks, for example, in uh, Inglorious Bastards. If you like him in that movie, he has a he's very you know, specific way of talking. And so you just kind of write down, pick examples of that and kind of work backwards. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres, for example, she's another one. She's got a very clear voice. So she'll make a bold statement and then she'll walk it back. That's kind of her trick. She'll make, you know, that's that's the that's the voice of her comedy. She says something very, very absolutely certain. And then she walks it back. So I would say pick who you want your voice, your spokesperson to be. You know, if you're selling cowboy boots, you know, then you probably want someone who has, you know, a, a Western background, someone, who, you know, Matthew McConaughey, somebody like that. Uh, you know, if you're selling pizzas, you're going to want Joe Pesci. And so you watch their movies and then just imagine, start writing with them in mind. And okay. we do this all the time in, in Hollywood. Um, you know, we'll, uh, on TV, we'll say, well, you know, you, you pitch a show and you'll pitch it to an executive and you'll say, I, I have so-and-so uh, actor, Dave Chappelle, in mind for this part. And they go, oh, we love Dave Chappelle. Then you say, but you realize it's not going to be Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's not doing this. He's, there's no way in hell Dave Chappelle. No, 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 we understand, but we love Dave Chappelle. We like that voice. All right, fine. That's how you do it. I. <laughs> so using... Um, you know, when he first said that, I thought, well, I didn't do that. And then it occurred to me, oh my gosh, I did in two separate ways. Uh, number one, the, like the, the intro podcast voice was, uh, the, a friend of mine who just worked down the hall, who worked in the wedding business and he would MC events. And so that was part of the voice was the, like the cadence and the, mm -hmm. the rhythm that he had when he talked and cause I knew him so well, he was a good friend of mine, um, I like the difference became immediately obvious to me when he was doing the, the on mic performance voice. So I picked that up right away. That's more of like a cadence. That was easy. The, um, but like the rhythm and the flow and the style of this show was at the same time I started it. I also got a subscription to Sirius satellite radio and was listening to Howard Stern, who is a phenomenal interviewer. I thought right. it was like some stupid crude show. No, like his interviews are unbelievably good. And after listening to hours and hours of them, there is a rhythm to it, and it's it's you know key question from re that's research that's been done, follow up, follow up, summarize, and it's just that pattern over and over, and that's what I that what I started doing actively, and now I don't even think about it, it's just how it comes out. Right, right. You know, it's funny when you say that. I think it's too, very smart that you kind of imitated your friend, but as we were talking before, you know, before this podcast, when I'm writing on, when I was writing on King of the Hill, when you pitch a joke or a line, you do it in that character's voice in front of the other writers. So you dang it, Bobby, you talk like Hank. That's how you do it. So you say it out loud. And then as you say it out loud, you go, okay, that's something about that didn't sound right. So once you pick, that's another way to pick your voice is it's not good enough that you just write in that. You have to actually say it out loud and hear, you know, hear that coming out of your head. Uh, that helps a lot. And that's where do it like that that dictation worked really well. And of course, like it was embarrassing. I would go in the other room. I just do it by myself. So no one heard me doing it. Um, but that, that, oh, yeah. that trick Super worked really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You got to lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then eventually like you get over it. Um, you know, like doing, my wife's doing a ton of content creation for her site and we're doing videos and like first couple of videos, uh, we've done like three ses sessions of this. We've got 14 videos we've made. Um, and by after the first 10, she'd like it just feels natural and it really it was not a ton of work it's just you have to get over that initial self-consciousness and then yeah. suddenly you don't care anymore or like right. people That's go all... i don't want to hear my i can't i can't stand the sound of my voice so like make yourself uh, no one can listen to it 10 times you don't care anymore oh yeah yeah i feel the same way like i always sound like when i listen to my own voice it sounds like there's something stuck in my throat i'm like what what's wrong with this voice 
So yeah, you're absolutely right. Everyone hates the sound of their own voice. And but and but to that other point, like 90% of writing is rewriting. So yeah, just shoot, start writing and then rewriting, or shoot and then reshoot. It's okay. It's like the first the first goal, the first draft is never gold ever. So accept that and just move on. Okay. So apply once you've you've mastered your story, your voice, applying that to your page, to your website in a practical manner. Um, let's say you've got the story. What I would do two things with that story, and correct me if I'm wrong. One, I'd make it part of the <clears throat> part of the about page, like the majority of the about page, and because that's people want to know who they're buying from, and that's where you tell that that origin story, that hero's journey for yourself. And then right. also as part of like a welcome sequence for an email campaign, for a nurture campaign, so that people can get to know you. Yeah, and I'd also shoot a video and put that on your Facebook page as well. Like I think when when someone drives traffic to my website, Twirly Girl, I, the goal the number one goal is to get them to purchase. All right, if they won't do that, I want to get their email. That way, I can remarket to them. And the third destination is my About Us page or one of my videos on my homepage. That's what I want them. If they're not going to do the first two things, I want them to do. That's the third most important thing. Learn about me or learn about the brand. Right. Yes, and we'll see off. Like if you check your Google Analytics, you'll often see people add to cart. And a surprising chunk of those uh, are going to then check your about page to see if they to try and suss out if they trust you, and then they right. make the, they decide they make the real purchase decision then, and then they go back to cart and check out. Yeah, right. So, right. all right. Once we've got that story down, it doesn't end there. I want to know uh, how do I how do I apply the, is can I apply this to product descriptions? Because most product descriptions are they feel pretty stale to me. I think you could apply it anywhere. So I'm going to say. So I'm going to skip around for just one second. But even when we were talking on this podcast, what was the first thing I said? I said, we all understand the importance of telling our brand story. It's a way to forge an emotional connection so that people trust us and buy from us and tell their friends. And that's how we grow our brand. So even in that one statement that I used in this podcast, it was hero obstacle goal, right? I said, we all want to, you know, who's the hero? All of us or all of you. What do you want? You want to grow your brand using telling stories. What's the obstacle? You don't know how to do that. Everywhere I talk, everywhere I market, anywhere I do anything, it's all about hero obstacle goal, right? And the sooner, like I said, the sooner you get those three things out, the better. So if, for example, you're watching a TV show or a movie and you're like, I can't get into this movie. I don't know why. You just can't get into it. It's because the writer or the director hasn't established hero obstacle goal yet. And until you do, you're bored. So it's the same thing. So, yeah, so your question is, can I use it in my product descriptions? Absolutely. So in our products on Twirly Girl, every product has its own story. I, t I talk about the origin story, how this dress came to be. So, and it's all nonsense. Like, you know, that's not, you know, I create some fantastical story about how this dress was born on a planet five million years, light years away or whatever, but people love it. And they read those, that little story and then maybe they'll buy, but if they don't buy maybe they'll check out another product on our site just to read that story and maybe they'll buy that product just because they like that story. And so what we found is our S it, it helped our SEO because people were staying on our site longer because they wanted to read these stories. And, you know, that's all good. Helps you rank. The best SEO will always be compelling content. And this is, I, I love that idea. I love that concept. This is all very exciting. Okay. <laughs> so I have, I could dive into that more, but I've got limited time with you. Um, and I, I want to make sure we talk about video. I've, right. Given your background, I think video content marketing probably uh, makes more sense to you. You may have a, a slight unfair advantage there. And you have the success to prove it. You've got a video that you made uh, for Twirly Girl with 700,000 views. Uh, no, it's, it's actually close to 10 million. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's about ten million. We have about. I mean, I got maybe there's one with seven hundred thousand. We have so many videos, it's crazy. Because you know, once something works, you just keep doing it over and over again. So um, what works? How do you make a video that is that wildly successful? Well, this okay. So the I've been telling the, we have a bunch of them, like I said, but the one that are really successful, the ones I started doing about about a year ago. Um, so, you know, I, we've, my wife and I've always f- pictured Twirly Girl to be like, if Willy Wonka was making girls dresses, this is where, this is, you know, this is what he would do. We want to be the Willy Wonka of girls dresses. So that means, okay, so that's how the, that's how we position the brand. That means, you know, Willy Wonka's, he's slightly crazy. He's imaginative. He's fantastical. It's like magical, but he's a little crazy. Um, and so that's how we do all our marketing. So we set out to create the first video we did, um, was I was my, basically my wife giving a tour uh, and you can see these videos if you go to twirlygirlshop.com on our homepage, basically giving a tour of our, uh, of our, you know, of our workspace. Um, and it's all nonsense. We talk about the first thing she says is that the fairies make our dresses in the middle of the night. And then it's one fact, one fact about our brand, one joke. So every time I give a, you know, so I'm educating people, but I'm making them laugh and you're moving. You just keep the, you keep the pace up. So we say our dresses are, all of our dresses are made in America. Do you know how rare that is? Even this flag wasn't made in America. So it's one fact, one joke. Um, and I did it on the cheap actually. Uh, you know, so I have a background, uh, obviously as a TV writer, TV producer. So I know how to, I know how to shoot and I know how to edit and all that stuff. Cause that's my day job. Um, so I found some high school kids. My, my daughter goes to a local arts high school, public arts high school, and they have a cinematic arts program. And I went to the head of the program and I said, hey, give me your best director. And so they paraded out this kid, the 16 year old kid, and he could shoot, right? And I said, hey, I'm making a commercial. Do you want to shoot it? And he was like, yeah. So uh, he put together a team, about five other students, all in the cinematics program. We went to the office, we spent a whole day there and we shot the thing out. And these kids were terrific. Um, but, you know, it wasn't perfect. They, it was a little blurry at times, right? Uh, the camera was a little shaky at times. Uh, some, uh, there are moments where the lighting wasn't terrific. And no one, that video has been seen by about 10 million people. No one has commented about the lighting or the shakiness of the camera. They all say this is the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, you know, because no, that stuff is not important. It's the script that's important. It's the writing that's important. Everything else is, you know, you, 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 that's just vanity stuff. That's, yeah, it adds... Um... Yes, you're absolutely right, and I think it there is there is a charm to it, and I absolutely I think it adds authenticity to it where it's yeah. not a hundred percent polished. It has some rough edges, and then it just makes the story that much more compelling. Right, exactly, and that, so I'm showing our weaknesses there. <laughs> we're not talking about it's not our strength. We're just showing, we're talking. So yeah, the, the the last thing we say in that video is oh, and by the way, this entire commercial was shot by high school kids, and when people watch that, like their head explodes, like yes, awesome, you know, go kids. <laughs> So, yeah. So your advice is is go hit up a high school <laughs> to get a production team. Uh, you know, if 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 your budget is super low, and my advice is to spend a lot of time getting your script right. Yes. Um, that's the most important thing. So work, work, work on that, and then yeah, fine. You can find some kids to do it for you and help you out. And of course, I paid these kids, and I donated money to the high school, but it wasn't nearly as much as I would have to pay a production company, professional production company, for sure. All right. The oh, this is. This is so good. <laughs> you are you are fantastic, and I need to send Andy Bedell like a gift basket for setting <laughs> us up. Uh, all right. The biggest objection I get to this, and I, I hate it, it drives me nuts, is people who they don't want to be the face of their brand. Is there ever a good reason to do that? What do you do about it? What do you say to people when they say, well, I can't be the face of my brand? 
Yeah, I think I think basically you have to be the face of your brand. Um, and, and unless unless you're super shy or something, then find someone talk about the someone's story that you're working with and make them at least highlight their story about how you know whatever job they are. Tell the story the way we're talking about your story. Just tell someone's story in your brand. But I do think it's important. Best case scenario is to tell your own story. If you're the boss, you gotta. I really think you have to tell your own story. You don't have to be like I said. You're not. Uh, you, you know. You're not divulging anything too intimate or personal. When you told that story about how uh, you sent a survey to, you know, to 300 people asking what your superpower is, that's not that vulnerable. It's not that personal. It, but you're sharing. You know. So I think if you share that level, then I think you should be – anybody would be comfortable sharing that amount of their of – their, you know, their, themselves. Yeah, not, there's it, nothing crazy or – I never feel like I'm sharing anything crazy or extraordinary that I wouldn't just share anyway. But I do – like that is often a comment that people are like, wow, your stuff's so honest and like thank you for sharing that. It's like – it's just – that's real life. That's what happened. <laughs> I guess yeah. it, it's not the, the highlight reel that most people's Facebook timeline is. You, and you also got to remember people, you know, um, years ago I wrote a, a one, I wrote a, a play and I had it staged and it was very autobi autobiographical and I was a little concerned. I was like, what the people are going to judge? And I had a very, I had to open my heart, you know, cause if you want to make a good, you have to open your heart. And I was, I was very worried about, Oh, people are going to judge me and people are going to think this about me. Here's the truth. People saw the play. They liked it. They, maybe they talked about it for five minutes in the car on the way home. And after that, never again. And no one's judging me, honestly. No one's even thinking about it again. Share in that one moment, and it's all going to go away. It's you know, this is not going to be some kind of thing that you have to carry the rest of your life. It's you're opening up a little, and that's great. That's an important mindset shift to have. Is you know, you are the only person who remembers all your embarrassing moments. You know, it's like yeah. you're laying in bed, you're about to fall asleep, and then your brain says, "Hey, here's a slideshow of all the stupid shit you've done over the last 15 years." Right? That's only happening to you. No one else has that slideshow of you. Uh, being a goof in their head. It's right. They got you. their own slideshow. Yes. Of themselves. So they have like you did whatever silly thing, and then they moved on from it. And it's up to you to to be to have some self compassion and forgive yourself for being a literal literal little bit vulnerable sometimes. Yeah. Um, all right. The other objection I get is, well, I don't I don't have an interesting story to tell. I'm just selling widgets, and that's that. What do those people do aside from like, I mean, they got to want their own success and need to figure it out. But what what would you tell them? But see, everyone has that little detail. Everyone has a reason for what for why they started their business, whatever it is. And even if your business is the most boring thing in the world, you had a reason for starting it because you didn't want to have that boring desk job or because uh, you were out, you're, you had just been laid off and no one would hire you. That's all. In, I mean, what you think is not interesting is interesting to somebody else if you are willing to share a little bit. So everyone has, your product doesn't have to be that exciting, but everyone has obstacles that you faced along the way that, it, that are interesting and sharing it, I guarantee you is interesting. You just don't realize how interesting it is. That, that is wonderful closing advice. I think we will wrap it up there. Um, Michael, you've got your, uh, you work on your wife's business, Twirly Girl. I will link to that in the show notes. Um, and then you have uh, two other businesses related to this. You've got a, a consulting business and I think an info product business. Tell me about those. Tell me where people can go to learn more about you. Well, it was a few months ago I was asked to give a, a lecture <clears throat> at an e-commerce conference and it was about storytelling. And I was like, eh, maybe 20 or 30 people are going to show up, whatever, I'll talk. Um, and the, the room was packed. There's probably a couple hundred people. I didn't realize how much people kind of wanted to hear this. And then afterwards, you know, a lot of people came up to me and said, hey, I want to know. It was an hour lecture or whatever. They, they wanted to know more. They asked if I would make uh, like a video series about this. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't really have that much time. 
but I finally got around to doing it. So I put together a course, and you can find it at michaeljamin.com. So it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-J-A-M-I-N.com. And that course is basically where I go in-depth on how to use storytelling from all the lessons that I've learned over my 20 years as a TV writer and how to apply that to your e-commerce brand. And so that's a, that's a web, you know, that's a web course that you can, someone, that's for DIYers, you know, and that's for people who were decent at, you know, maybe they got a D minus at creative writing in high school. Okay, good. You're, that you qualify. If you're somewhat interested in writing, that's you. Or if you are not interested in writing, but you know you have to hire someone to do it, this course will give you a good understanding of what to look for so that you know how to hire. So that, you know, when you read their samples, you know what to look for. I think, um, I, you know, I think a lot of people say, well, how do I know if this writer's any good? I don't know. I'm reading. I, I don't know if they're any good. Well, after you've watched this, you should be able to tell. Um, and then the second thing is, that's how I met Andy Padel. So I made these these commercials um, for for Twirly Girl, and now we're on our. I'm, I just wrote the script for the third one because people are loving it. Like, let's do another one, do another one. Um, and the shares are crazy. It, it get, the amount of money I have to spend to get a share is so low. That's that's how I you know that's how I make my Facebook ads work is because it really brings down the costs. Uh, Facebook ads have have grown by about seventy percent year over year. So uh, this is how you do it. If you get somebody to share it, that's all free. All that traffic is free. So, uh, so yeah, so I was, I knew Andy kind of informally, we talked a couple of times and then we're having a conversation about, uh, you know, what, what we're doing on Facebook. I go, well, this is what I'm doing. And I showed him one of my videos and he wrote back to me, he goes, we got to partner together on something. And so, uh, we got together and we created basically where I write and produce, and I do this on my, basically on my spare time. I write and because as a TV writer, I go basically in between jobs. So I take a job for maybe a couple months and then that show is done. Then you have to find another job. Um, so in between jobs, this is what we're doing. So I will make your videos. I will shoot, you know, I make the script. We, uh, you know, we write, we shoot, we write, we shoot, and then we run them. Uh, we run your ad campaign. So this is for people with a much bigger budget and ad camp ad spend. And so that is, that business is uh, called cardboardrocketship.io, um, and so you can learn you can learn about what we do there. But so that's for the that's for the people who have more of a budget, and for the DIYers who want to just you know see what they can do on their own. That's that's where michaeljemma.com is for. I have linked to all three of these in the show notes. Uh, final question: What's your the one thing you wish every Shopify store owner would do? Whoa! What a you mean other than purchase from me? Other than <laughs> other than mail you uh, a envelope full of cash. Okay, what would I wish they? Um, there's so much, you know. There's so much good information, even on Shopify. I'm not. Our, we're not hosted. Our 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 store is not hosted on Shopify, but I know they have a great library of of information. And there's so much great stuff that's free and available on the web. I know. Just I would say start listening. If you haven't listened to all of Kurt's podcasts, start there because there's all this free information. Take notes. And just do all of it. And the stuff that's hard, you need to do because no one else is going to do it. So that, that that's what's going to differentiate you. If something something you know, if it seems hard and time consuming, your competitor is not going to do it. So you got to do it. That's but right. Take advantage of all this free information. That's great advice. Yeah, go out, get the info, get as much as as much as you need. You don't need any more than that. It's easy to get overwhelmed by all the free stuff out there, and then turn around and. Do the stuff that makes you uncomfortable. Do the stuff that seems hard and time-consuming because you're right. No one else is, is going to do that. That will immediately give you a massive unfair advantage, your willingness to succeed. Yeah, because other than that, if you're not doing that, you're just going to compete on price. And if you compete on price, you're going to lose. You're going to lose to that guy on Amazon. 
So forget it. You got to do something that differentiates yourself. And telling your brand story is one way to do it. Uh, so you don't have to compete on price. Yeah, about uh, uh, two months ago, Steve Deckert told us if you're just competing on price, you're a vending machine, and it's just a matter of time before you lose out to uh, Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic yeah. advice, Michael. Thank you. I loved all of this. One of my my favorite all time interviews. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Kurt. What a pleasure. Yeah. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable, feature-packed theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial ShopifyPodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.